to Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion and culture with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is Matthew Henson. Matthew is the stylist behind ASAP Rocky, The Weeknd, and many more. On this week's episode, Matthew and I spoke about how he became a stylist, the elitism of the fashion world, and what needs to change in 2018. Mr. Matthew Henson. Yes, sir. So I've heard Matthew, I've heard Matt. Is it, I would imagine it's about like the different acquaintance level as to, as to, as to the name here, or what, what do you, what do you prefer? Um, I'm definitely Matthew. Um, I do have a few people that call me Matt, but it's only out of sheer like laziness and disrespect yeah. that they don't want to say my full name. But I'm <laughs> definitely a Matthew. And okay. I will answer to Matt depending on who you are, but sometimes I just will ignore it. You got to be in the inner circle. Got to be in that inner sanctum. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Uh, a lot of different stuff I want to talk to you about, um, you know, your time at Complex, how you've become this stylist, where you came from. We'll, we'll, we're going to go a little bit all, all over the map, but I promise uh, it'll be good. Okay, cool. Um, for starters, where are you from? Are you from New York? No, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. So, you know, tri-state yeah, area. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, you know, I live in a, I live, I'm from a small town okay. um, in Jersey and I was able to get back and forth to New York very easily you know, as a youngster. So that's the reason why New York was an easy transition for me. Small, small town. Yes. Like, I'm not giving up all that info. We live in a crazy digital age oh, okay. where like people definitely get a little too creepy, but like, yeah, from Jersey, <laughs> small town. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, when, what was your first experience with the city? You said you, you came over a bunch. You know what? Yeah. I, um, as you know, growing up as a teenager, I would come and party, you know, with my fake ID and also like come and spend my allowance and hard-earned money you know when i got a job i would spend every dime in in stores here in new york right yeah the fake id the fake id well how how does that work (laughs) Um, was it like your friends like i know a guy well no i had i had a cousin an older cousin okay kind of look alike so he gave me a duplicate id of his so that i could hang out with him all the time nice so yeah so you know partying at 15 16 uh, with him so like i had full new york experience by the time i was 18 i was over it oh okay yeah yeah, I came to New York when I was 19, and I had a fake ID type thing, but I was 45, <laughs> so it didn't really work. No. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. his was like 26, so it okay. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're, you're good. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you live in New Jersey. You're, you're coming to New York a bunch. What, what brings you here full time? Did you go to school here? No. Um, I went to school in Jersey. Um, before that, I went to school in Baltimore for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But when I finally was in New York full time... Um, I had gotten an internship at a small magazine called Flaunt Magazine, which is still around. All right. Um, Flaunt. Yeah. So I got an internship there and, um, you know, it, it took up a lot of time. So I had to make a decision on whether I wanted to like quit my job and like drop out of college to do this thing that I, you know, love so much. Right. Um, and against, you know, my parents' um, wishes, I dropped out of college and went full-time into this internship which four months later turned into a full-time job as an assistant at flaunt and that's how it all started oh geez okay so what how does that go when you tell your parents um (laughs) you know what like i you know i'm a very close relationship with my parents and they're very supportive so it wasn't really a long drawn out thing they were just like you know great um we are definitely not paying your bills when you move to new york we're not paying for your apartment but like you know, congratulations to you. We're very excited to see what comes of this. 
Right. I think that's cool that you said you start out as an intern too, because yeah. I think there are a lot of people who have different jobs and roles throughout their life, and maybe they're lucky enough to never hit that grind of an right. internship. Mm-hmm. So you can't empathize or or give that that sort of extra love to interns who are like I don't know more or less working for a little bit below. Yeah. Well, I mean. You know, now it's a bit different because, you know, with social media, you can just like self-aggrandize. You could, you know, be someone who claims to be a creative director or a stylist and never have any experience in it or never have any idea of what it actually means to be those things. You can just put that in your bio and, you know, people will assume that's the case. But for me, I'm very proud of my experiences interning and assisting. And, you know, I learned so much. And, you know, with that, you learn by fire. You learn by making mistakes. You learn by positive reinforcement um and without those experiences i wouldn't know what i know today and i'm like very thankful for those experiences right like well, what were some of the stuff you were doing at flaunt um you know i was a fashion intern at first so mm-hmm. you know i was definitely getting lunch i was definitely steaming clothes i was definitely unpacking samples i was definitely organizing the the closet i was i was doing everything right um we also did like a lot of the the magazine shipment from that office so I was oh, definitely wow. packing up like magazines to be shipped to advertisers and subscribers, like anything that they needed me to do. I was doing it without, you know, a second thought. Right. So like, you're yeah. doing the, the entire thing. Yeah. You know, when my boss didn't want to do certain things like with models and things like that, he'd be like, just look, look at me and be like, get her dressed, you know, pick out the look. You know, all those things are very exciting when you um, have a certain idea of what the business is and like. You know, all that stuff is like super rewarding. Right. And yeah. well, one thing you just said, you said pick out the look. Yeah. Which is, is that where you started to get, you know, a little bit more? Yeah. I, you know, um, when I was at Flaunt, my boss, who was the fashion um, director and um, partner, partial owner of the magazine, Long Nguyen, he like let me do so much. He gave me so much responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to learn so much in a short period of time. And right. I think I worked there for I think I was interning for maybe like just six months. There was like four in, four of us interns. And, okay. Uh, it was kind of like the Hunger Game because we were all <laughs> we were all very aware that you know an assistant job was going to open because one of the editors was leaving. Right. Um, and we were all very close before this, and it literally was like Hunger Games. Like <laughs> one dropped off, you know. Then there was three of us, and we were like, you know, the three the three that were left, we hung out every night. Right. Um, like what time are you going home? Yeah, oh, I'll stay a little bit later. Exactly. <laughs> um, we hung out every night. We were like the closest of friends. But then when it got down to the three of us, it was super cutthroat, and like we were coming at each other from all angles to secure this job. And well, obviously you made the cut. I I definitely was the one that won. <laughs> yeah. So from Flaunt, is that where you jumped to Complex? Um. Yeah. So um, from Flaunt, I went to Complex. Um. Basically, I've been at flaunt for maybe like five years and i was doing a lot of women's because they Mm -hmm. split between men's and women's and there was more women's stories than men's right um and at that time back then men's wasn't the biggest industry and didn't have the biggest audience but um you could see there was kind of like a shift happening right um what year is this in terms of mm, not the biggest i think this is like around what is 2018 now so maybe 2010 okay end of 2009 2010 um um and I wanted to focus more on menswear because that's what I related to most. And um, I was more passionate about menswear. So uh, there was an opening that I had heard about at Complex mm-hmm. to be a um, market editor. So like, I just went 
and interviewed. Um, and then I interviewed with Noah for my second interview, and it was like really nice. Noah uh, Callahan. Okay. NCV. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was funny because, you know, again, at that time, menswear and the fashion part of the business for Complex was like not that big of a deal. Right. So he was like very, it was funny because I was like telling him everything that I wanted to do. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's just like listening to me and like, seeing the excitement like, and, and then being like, <laughs> well, yeah, but this is kind of like what we do here. And if you're into it, like, this is what it is. And I kind of just was like, yeah, like, you know, any opportunity because I had respected uh, so much of the stuff they had done. There was uh, two editors that were there. Um, well, Noma was a fashion director. Okay. And she had left and um, the fashion she might have been the fashion editor at the time, but then became fashion director Kelly McCabe. Yeah. Um, who is actually like really integral in me getting that job. Um, she, she went to GQ, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, she yeah. essentially brought me on. Um, and um, so they were there at that time. And then Kelly left. Mm-hmm. And then it was just me. And then another editor named Frederick Marfil. Okay. Who is at Hypebeast right now. He was at WWD before that. So it was kind of like, you know, like a Motley crew, like people right. coming in and out. But essentially me and Frederick worked together for maybe like three or four years at Complex together. We were like freaking frack. Okay. Um, and, you know, at that time, menswear was growing. It went from just being like, you know, an industry counterpart. You know, women's wear was all people thought about and guys were just dressing in a certain type of way. Yeah. So at that time, menswear was like having that whole workwear moment. and Oh, yeah. And Red Wings, you know, and Red Wings, selvage and denim, selvage and Mark McNary. Yeah. So then, you know, it it started to shift. Like men started to care more. Right. The right. market started growing in every single way, not just clothing, footwear, but also grooming. And then here we are today. Yeah, I mean, where it's basically all street style and like street style, luxe, high fashion. Yeah. I mean, some of this, with all due respect, um, I would blame on you. And but it, as a compliment because of like what you've been doing and who who you dress, but we can talk about that later. I can take some of that responsibility; it's not a problem. That's fine. Yeah, and, and but I'm gonna fix it. <laughs> okay. 2018. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um. So you're you're market editor at Complex, and mm-hmm. I think you know some listeners know this, but some won't. Um, market editor, and you can correct me on this. A lot of that is is basically the brands that are out there that are quote like in the market. Yeah. Right. So I mean, are you are you doing are you like dressing people are you doing um photo campaigns or anything like that technically i mean the market editors are the unsung heroes of the publishing world because they are literally going and doing um the groundwork they're doing the lord's work they're going to see every brand whether it's an established brand to an emerging brand they're doing all the showroom visits they're discovering new designers if they're really good at their job right um and they're really putting you know putting together these like stories for the fashion directors and you know they're you know the fashion director obviously has to say they have the idea but the market editor is going and gathering those items and putting together the boards that really make those stories come to life right it's really knowing about everything that's going on and what's next and like you know like what's done influencing the influencer influencing the influencer so i think that like you know but you know the publishing industry has changed so much there's barely any magazines left but um, the market editor position is such a huge responsibility. Right. They're like the unsung heroes. It's, it's, you know, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. And so you're at Complex for how many years? You're like four or five? Six? Huh? You know, I lost, <laughs> I lost track, <laughs> okay. but I think I was there for maybe five, close to six years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting is, is like we're talking about some of these colleagues that you had and people that you work with. Mm-hmm. You're naming all of them. You know who they are. 
And that's the thing that like I love about not just the menswear industry, but just the fashion industry yeah. is how small it is. Yeah. And it just goes to show you like, don't be a dick to everyone because of how well, small, like word travels. And I mean, I love that, you know, these people that you, that you worked with that yeah. helped you out. I'm sure you'd do the same to help them. Of course. And I think, um, I think, yeah, your, your reputation will speak for you before you even get a chance to walk through the door. Um, and you know, those relationships always change because right. I feel that there's a certain part of the industry that has like these, like there's these really old notions and old hat things that kind of like, you know, the older editors and the way that they work, they want to keep the younger editors and the smaller editors in their place. Because if you get too big, then you can kind of like outshine the big dogs. Oh, okay. Well, what's, what's that like? Um, it's, it, no, it's interesting okay. because... Um, because I think that any editor that's at a magazine now or was working at a magazine, you know, from, you know, for maybe the past five years has experienced that, you know, sure. you want to grow, but, you know, the person above you doesn't necessarily want you to grow because, you know, then you've like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're on your way to surpassing them. So it's yeah. a really interesting experience. And I do think that experience is, you know, definitely necessary because it humbles you. If you're that type of person, it will humble you. Right. And it will keep you, you know, striving to do better. Well, there's like a mentorship too that also comes into play. Like yes. Michael Haney, who, who's been on here before, like mm -hmm. he had talked about how important it was for him to, because he started out as an intern at Spy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he, you know, kind of worked his way up. But one of the things that he said that he liked to do is every month he would meet with these interns and he'd meet with everyone. And I think that's, you know, obviously it's not just interns, but it's a good way to keep people close to you, but yeah. also that become really loyal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's the thing, like your community, right. the people who support you, the people that you support. And yeah. obviously, you know, it can be as big or as small of a network that you want it to be. And, you know, not all your relationships are going to stay the same. You're not going to be able to maintain them all. But as long as you like keep a certain amount of like ability to yourself and have like a little bit of integrity, I think you'll be fine throughout the industry because things are going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's a business. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you can't be 100% on all accords, but like, you you can you can remain a great person to people. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's that's the the also tough thing about New York is I feel like, and throughout all my time here, yeah. I feel like no one really looks out for you for you, yeah. or, or no one really looks out for you but you. Right. So you got You got to be that person yeah. to do that. And, and uh, yeah, and it's also important <laughs> to while you're on the road to maintaining your integrity to not let people walk all over you because if you allow that to happen you set that precedent people are going to keep doing that oh geez yeah, yeah that's happened to me yeah. on more than one occasion yes. i'm a people pleaser so i'm just yeah. like sure yeah that's fine i'm a people pleaser but <laughs> i also am not about that step all over me life that's just like it doesn't feel good and you can't come back from that so it's like important to set a precedent in the beginning right that if you feel something is not right you have to speak on it then because the situation will just get out of control right yeah right so um I want to talk about post-complex. So you're mm -hmm. at Complex, mm -hmm. you're market editor, you yeah. stay there for a bit. Yeah. And I got promoted. You did? Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I left. I forget my position when I left. I don't know if it was like fashion director or fashion editor, but I definitely got promoted in that time because I don't want people to think that I was sitting at that job for like that long <laughs> under the same position. But you know, it was great because I got to, you know, style so many of the covers and meet so many of the artists and um, build those relationships as well too. And you know, have more responsibility, learn how to work with celebrity talent. Like that's important too, because that's an experience that like turns into something else. Right. And that's, that's one of the things that, that brought you away from that. Right. Yeah. So from, 
correct me on what the story is, but you were working with Rocky dressing him and then you basically became his stylist and left? No. So essentially, okay, good. yeah, the, the, how the story goes, um, the short of it is I, I met Rocky um, when I was styling a cover of him mm-hmm. and Jeremy Scott for Complex. Right. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like, you know, we met and like decided to work with each other in the future. He actually, um, when we, when we met, the experience was pretty funny because he was just like, Oh, you know, like these clothes are cool, but like, this is the, my thing with stylists because you know, they, they, you know, they do some cool stuff, but they, you know, they, they've never wowed me, which I thought was hilarious because, uh, we were doing like a feature story. It was like him and Jeremy Scott. So it was like only Jeremy Scott's clothes on set. And I was just like, okay, cool, bro. Like if, you think this is all that I can do. Like, you know, I'd love to show you like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Love to show you like what I can actually do. And then, so the story goes, you know, his management hit me up to do a music video for him. And I figured, you know, since, you know, he's, he's got amazing personal style. Like he knows so much about clothes. Mm -hmm. I definitely need to be on my a game. And when we did this video, um, like I basically had like a huge, huge 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 like studio filled with clothes for him to select from and he was just like super impressed and like we've been working together ever since he's not the type of guy that like you know by any means or reasons or purposes like needs a stylist his personal style is impeccable but i do think that um you know for every great stylish person you definitely need somebody behind you that can help actualize and and get the things that you need to keep that whole thing going and that's kind of like the role that i play right and in terms of kind of starting your own business being Mm. a stylist doing that how how did that like what does that look like i mean you don't have to go nitty-gritty but just like what were the steps that it, it took um i think the first thing that you need to do is really decide if you're actually good at that thing or not because (laughs) i think there's a lot of no there's a a lot of i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of space between like working at a magazine and 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 doing those type of things like being an editor and styling those type of stories because there's a lot of support behind that Mm. um you're not spending your own money um you're not having to pay for messengers you're not having to pay for your own fedex so like um there's a lot of things that are there that you don't realize when you i mean you obviously do realize that but when you step out on your own those type of things financially overhead wise are quite intense and cumbersome yeah um and you also have to know if like you're actually good at it because you're doing one type of thing and when you become a freelancer you are going to be offered or you know if you're fortunate enough you're going to be offered different types of jobs right so um it's definitely not the same and then you have to also have um some sort of client base that's going to keep that money coming in right or some type of you know draw to have people to want to work with you um and your reputation, again, you know, like, if you do an amazing job for these people, they will rant and rave to other people about how good you are and what you did for them. And, you know, your client base will grow. Right. Well, one of the, so I, I was a, a stylist for a bit. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and I, the reason why I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this is because, like, I think I made, and I guess I'll publicly say this, I made every dumb decision that you could make. Um, That's very I got big to work you. with people who won academy awards i dressed dudes for red carpets for oh, nice. commercials mm-hmm. for all sorts of stuff i became like local 829 union so i could get on sets and i was so stupid in terms of managing 
the not just the money I was bringing in, but what my day rate was, what <laughs> all of that. It was so dumb. And you, to me, you are someone who has has navigated this and but done it very successfully. And also, yeah, like what you were saying, like maintain this integrity and and you have big clients. Like I almost would argue in some ways that like the big clients are not as hard as say having the sustained intelligently run business. Um I mean you can fight with you please argue against it. But well, it was you just know like what, you know what I think I think there's some truth to what you said, but yeah. I also think that, you know, the the big clients are not necessarily the, you know, the clients that are giving you a headache. It's yeah. just that they're also expecting a certain amount of work ethic and output from you. So it depends on. So what you can't do it while you work at another job. So it depends on what type of, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you have to figure out what, right. what you want if you can handle that. Because right. there is no coming back from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I was like, you mentioned FedEx fees and tailoring fees. Yeah. I remember I worked with someone and I was trying to dress him for the Oscars mm-hmm. and everything went wrong. And I paid, I think I paid close to a thousand dollars with overnight FedEx That's and, a, yeah. and tailoring fees and all these things. And I think I was like negative 400 bucks. Or something. Oh, that's not bad. Day. I mean, I mean, sometimes you know, like some sometimes you could end up spending a lot of your own money to you know secure business for the future, or you know, just the you can spend a lot of money on an editorial just because like you have an idea and you yeah, know, you want to get it out. And I, I had PR people who would, you know, I would be like, hey, I really need clothes for this person, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, well, we'll give you clothes for this person if you make sure we can dress this person. And I was like, wait a second, like, yeah. these aren't baseball cards, but well, it, it was... We've got plenty of people that that's all it takes, yeah. or, you know, a small fee or a large fee, you know, there's, there's different types of people in this industry. Yeah. So, Well, was there anyone that kind of came alongside you that kind of helped mentor you throughout this process or... Mm, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not that's to say thing. that there hasn't been like a ton of people and a ton of friends that have been there to give me advice and support me um, throughout the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't like admit that like there's a ton of people who I admire in the business, like a really good friend of mine. Her name is Anna Trevelli and she's sitting in the other room. Like I had to ask her so many questions all the time just because right. like she's been a freelancer and she's super successful and notable. Like, so I felt very comfortable asking her and, you know, there's, there's things that I wouldn't feel comfortable asking other people that I didn't know that I was able to ask her and get the answer to right away. So I will always be grateful for that. And, you know, she's just one of me, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate because I've got a great um, group of friends and mm-hmm. network. So you know, that type of support is integral to my, to my success. Right. Yeah. So you start working with ASAP Rocky mm-hmm. and then, the, then you start working with the weekend mm-hmm. and all these, these other people. What, you know, how, how is that set up in terms of like how you work with some of these clients, not in terms of, of, of nitty gritty, but just like, you know, I mean, I see you, you're like going to shows with Rocky. Like, mm-hmm. are you like, are you going ahead of time and like finding clothes for them and picking that out or? What is what does that look like? Well, yeah, I think. Um, well, yeah, that's that's kind of how it works. Um, it's a little bit more strategic than that, and I don't want to necessarily give away my. Oh no, it's fine. My, my colonel's recipe, but the thing <laughs> is that um, the thing is that you have to anticipate, you know, what the client wants, what the brand is, you know, going to look for. 
right? And how they're gonna, you know, measure that success. Um, and then also like what's gonna make you happy, what's gonna make you feel that, you know, that you've done a great job. Is it that when you see this thing, you know, people are blowing smoke up your ass telling you that you did a great thing, or like, you know, if you're getting like a ton of hits on Instagram because of this cool thing that you're doing, and if you constantly have to mention your clients and you know, like those type of things. Like for me, I just prefer to do the work and just like not even talk about it because like who cares? Like in the beginning when I had Instagram, I would post like so much of the stuff that I was doing. Oh, and right. I'm super proud of it. But now it's like nine times out of ten, I'm not even posting my work to my Instagram. I'm just putting it on my website and keeping it moving because if somebody wants to book me, go look at my site and you can see what I'm doing. Um and I just keep my Instagram some weird it's like my Instagram is like super weird. I post like once a month. I'll post a picture of myself and like just let it do what it's gonna do because I feel that I'm not using that as a booking mechanism at all right um and you know social media is like super strange because it's not really like the safest place to share things because people are not necessarily (laughs) looking for you to do good so it's like i'm kind of keeping a lot of stuff on the low but yeah you do like when you're going to shows you want to make sure that your client looks you know their best yeah um so you work closely with the brands to make sure that you know they're on board with that and you know I mean, there's there's two things that I I was trying to pull out. Okay, is, cool. Is one of those is a lot of people think mm-hmm. that a stylist is just a guy who's friends with brands, guy or girl mm-hmm. who's friends with brands, and just gets clothes and walks around and looks cool and no. says like, "Yo, I got you," no. which I I totally agree. No. And I think a lot of people do not realize how immensely difficult it is to be a stylist uh, because of you know it's almost a twenty four seven job. Yeah. Or I'm sure it is. Yeah. You know, and I think, and then also to do that and be successful at that, which is what you've done is you have to have great personal style because I was really good at dressing myself. Like, trust me, I know how to dress myself every day. I know what I'm doing, but when it comes to working with a photographer or an editor and, and finding a way to be this Rosetta stone between the client and everyone else and give them that vision. Yeah. I, I crashed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, the, it's usually the opposite. From Well, I can only speak for myself, but like when I'm working or when I'm dressing someone, mm-hmm. 10 times out of 10, I look terrible. And then it's like, you know, you get them off to do their thing. And like, you're, you know, not, I literally don't want to walk in the building with them because I look crazy. Because <laughs> by the time you get that person out of the door, you're like sweaty, you're dirty. You right. know, you're not a good representation of yourself, but sometimes you have to like just talk it up and go. So like, you know, I, I have a basic like uniform when I'm working. When I'm not working, I could dress a little bit better. But when you're like, it's the exact opposite of what you said. Like you're not going <laughs> to be dressed well when you're trying to dress someone else. Yeah. Well, no, I was more saying like, you have to understand like who this person is and yeah. make sure that they're going to look good. That's and why your work has to me. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the reason why your work has to speak for itself. Because sometimes yeah. you'll show up somewhere and you'll look crazy. There's been plenty of times where I've literally been down to the wire getting someone to where they needed to be and look their best that when I have to walk in the building and be around the designer and the client, oh, I am running to have like several drinks at once so that I feel comfortable because I'm in like a dirty, sweaty t-shirt, dusty jeans, sneakers, and everyone else in the room is black tie. But I have to be there because, you know, right. I have to show up and, and like, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm doing my job. But right. Yeah. It, and you're when we when a little bit about your style in general is you have a really sort of like gregarious style in yeah. the best way like you've you know you're into nepenthes which is right down the street from here mm-hmm. you're into um you know dior you're into like high fashion stuff like where 
where did some of these influences and and like ideas come from? Um, well, again, when I first when I first started working at Complex, mm-hmm. there was this moment in which um, there was just like a huge window of opportunity open um, because Complex's legacy is like rooted in streetwear, right? Um, and then coming from Flaunt we were literally only doing high fashion. There was like no streetwear. Every now and then we would shoot like a pair of Vans, add some Nikes into the mix. Mm-hmm. But it was like hardcore fashion, like just the, you know, the top brands. And we were doing a lot of work with Couture because that's the history of the magazine. Um, so when I left, I definitely wanted to take my experience in the high fashion world and working with those clothes and put it in a way that makes it very relatable to a guy that's used to only wearing like hoodies and t-shirts and, and sweats. Cause you know, like there is a, there is a, there is a real market for that type of thing, mixing high and low. And so we kind of like started doing that at complex. I remember before, like one of the first shoots that we did and I was just like, Oh, I'm going to request these shoes from LV. And the editor over top of me was just like, uh, mm, I don't think we need them. And I'm kind of just like, I think it would be kind of cool. And then like, it just took off from there. And then, you know, luckily I was able to have like also work with people that understood that. So that like extends that platform and it kind of like changes the way that people dress and think about clothes and how to wear them. Like it, it's amazing, you know, to see yeah, that kind of like grow into something else. But it's also like bad because now it's like the system is kind of broken <laughs> <laughs> because like, you know, the market is different. You know, people aren't, people aren't necessarily dressing up they're wearing clothes that cost a lot of money but they're still dressed down so right you know six hundred dollars sweatpants yeah or or you know fifteen hundred dollar i don't know jeans and with yeah i've got a yeah yeah i've got a certain threshold and a limit to pay for certain things like i think that like the sky's the limit when it comes to a jacket but like when it comes to like jeans like it's got to stop at a certain point and sweatpants has got to stop at a certain well, I hear a little bit of restraint in what you're saying. What What are the things that you're? Uh, this is an open platform. Yeah. You can rip on. I mean, well, I'm not trying to get you to make fun of anything. But no. what, what is what is the stuff that you're a little bit frustrated with? Just all the the, the stuff that should be inexpensive and easy. That's yeah. really pricey now. I think what people. I think what a lot of the designers um, have forgotten, even though that it is sportswear and it's being made in a certain factory and designed by a certain designer. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience and the economy have not changed much. Interesting. So, um, what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, well, I mean, I think it makes, you know, I think it makes, I think it makes sense that if like, you know, a, a, a runway designer is making a pair of sweatpants that are $800, like, cool. We know that there's a customer for that. Right. And there's always going to be a customer for that. But at the same time, it should be accessible to, you know people who organically and normally wear sweatpants on a day-to-day basis. Right. Yeah. Okay. They deserve, you know, that same type of thought and design too, which also brings up another point that when there's a knockoff of that thing, you can't really be upset because there's always going to be a group of people that want that same thing, that same look and not pay that price. Right. So like Zara and H&M have to exist well, on their own. Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going there. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm not Because then you have another, you know, have another issue with, you know, something, you know, where it's produced and how it's produced and what it's made of. Right. But I think that, um, I think that, you know, we're in a very interesting time um, where copyright and, and original ideas are, you know, are being copied. Um, yeah. 
Um, and there's a less originality with design and, and all of that stuff. And then there's, you know, the, you know, the collaboration is being overdone. People are just hemorrhaging and trying to like, you know, they're throwing out Hail Marys as far as these collaborations go. A lot of them don't make any sense, but I totally get it because that's what's keeping a lot of businesses alive. Yeah. I, I have a friend whom, uh, I got a lot of goofy friends who run business ideas by me. Mm -hmm. And one of them was like, Jeremy, I got this idea. And I was like, okay, what's up? He's like, I'm going to start a hoodie company. And I was like, okay, great. And he goes, and we're only going to work with like the best people ever, but we're going to control who gets to buy it. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of brands right now. And he yeah. was like, well, basically if you want to buy stuff, you have to submit. I'm serious. He said, you have to submit your Instagram profile. And if you're not cool enough, you can't buy it. And I said, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. But like, there are a lot of these people whom I think like they want to start a brand, but that brand is solely dependent upon uh, elitism yeah. and piggybacking on other successful brands or, or clients. He's like, you know, I'm going to go to Gucci and I'm going to tell him like, this is the best opportunity. And I was like, oh boy. I think, um, <laughs> you know, especially in, in, there's so much elitism already. Right. All over the world in different markets. I mean, there's elitism in like the housing market, real sure. estate. Sure. I mean, we don't need for that to be the same case in, in fashion because fashion is truly supposed to be like for dreamers. It's supposed to be an escape. It's supposed to, you know, be about beauty. Right. Um, you know, and just like imagination. That's, that's what fashion is. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to make people feel good, not make people feel excluded. Right. Yeah. That's, that's actually really beautiful. Yeah. Um, about feeling good. Yeah. So one of the stuff that I think you're kind of the reason why track pants are super <laughs> hot and continue to be hot. And like, look, all props to you. I'm jealous. I think it's awesome. But uh, how, how do you feel about that? I think, I, well. Needles track pants well, specifically. Okay, see, that's, see, the, the thing is, I think that track pants have always been popular. I think okay. that like the visibility of people wearing track pants has changed. Touche. Um. But I think that people have always wearing track pants. Like track pants are like quintessential, a part of like, you know, certain group of British guys, you know, day-to-day -day style. Right. So, you know, that's like nothing new. You know, maybe those guys weren't as visible as they were. Like chavs? Is that what you're saying? Not chavs. Well, it could be chavs, road men, like, you know, yeah, or just yeah, like, yeah. you know, just like, you know, British men have some of the best styles. So it's kind of just like. Yeah. But, um, so I think the visibility has changed. But I think, I think people have always been wearing track pants. And when it comes to needle track pants, like I did not, I did, I cannot take the responsibility. You know, like like Rocky is a guy that has again like the best personal style, like the best, right? Um, and it's like very natural to him. So I mean, well, and 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 to his credit, you know, when when he wears something, it does you know take off. Yeah. Um, and there's a certain level of humility, humility that comes with that when it comes to him. He's not going to boast and brag about it. He's just actually doing what comes natural to him, and it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the cool things about like some of these brands, and not just people like Rocky and people like you, um, that there are brands that aren't, aren't huge. Yeah. Like, Needles does not show in Paris. No. Needles is Nepenthes. Right. It's, you know, but... I think in a lot of ways, a lot of these brands have the ability to be really, really successful mm -hmm. because the platforms that people are right. show, showcasing their stuff If you think huge. about it, like these companies have been booming for such a long time. Like yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that because one 
very well dressed dude wears it that you know that it changes everything it does you know it does change a bit of their business for them and it mm-hmm. does you know um add a certain awareness to it but there's plenty of people that have been wearing these brands for years and yeah. just because like that's their lifestyle that comes natural to them or they've just enjoyed it that like you know that's a scary thing with they kind of feel like you know well you know hype you know yeah but also at the same time, you know, sometimes people are just like, oh, like, you know, I can't believe like, you know, like this thing that I love is now going to be so mainstream, which is also a weird thing for me. Because I'm just like, just because other people are wearing something that you've been wearing for such a long time that people didn't know about that, that shouldn't change anything for you. That right. says something about the person. Yeah. Like if you're bothered by other people wearing something, they've definitely made more than one pair of that thing <laughs> for a reason. Um, so by you being bothered that someone else is wearing something really says a lot about you as a person. and and literally. These are just clothes. They are made to be worn, made to be worn by a large group of people. That elitism and that type of air of like, you know, this belongs to a certain type of person is part of the issue of where fashion is right now. Right. Well, man, you're dropping a lot of truth bombs here. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Um, earlier, you had said that you want to change, want to change it for 2018. Yeah, because, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said about, um, you know, there's a lot of effort that goes into the way that people dress, right? Sure. Even if they're wearing a tracksuit, a sweatsuit, you know, whatever their style is, they're still putting a lot of effort into getting dressed. But I do think there was a moment in time, maybe about three years ago, um, before, you know, the, the huge uprising of sportswear where guys were putting a lot of effort into their work. Um, I mean, putting a lot of effort into the way that they were dressed. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a certain sense of pride um it was just a different energy like guys were just genuinely looking you know like more polished and um personal style was it was like really heightened at that moment um and i think what's happened is with sportswear being so big it's made it very easy for people to do things in a lazy way and still you know and still gain like notoriety off of it okay yeah i mean it's really difficult to it's, 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 it's quite difficult to dress nice yeah no, and I to agree. look pulled together and clean. Not everyone can pull that off. No. So I think that you know, we need more of that in 2018. A little bit more of like, you know, um, you know, maybe going back a little a couple of steps. You know, I I love a big baggy pant. I love like a I love like You're a wearing cargo dickies pant. right now. I'm wearing dickies right now. Yeah. But also at the same time, you know, to be able to put on like a, a very tailored pant and, you know, to look pulled together, you know, it requires a lot more work because you know you have to you have to eat well, you have to work out. You have to take care of yourself because those <laughs> yeah. clothes look different um, if you're not in shape. No, that's true. I and mean, I think, you know, to counteract that, you know, like, you know, we live in a time where everyone's focused on diet and, and eating well and healthy eating habits and, you know, uh, self-care. Right. And, you know, I think it's reflective of what's going on in the women's market. I think that women are very, very, like, you know, now more than ever about individuality and like what comes organically to them and taking care of themselves, not taking any shit from men. and I think that, you know, guys need to do some of the same thing too. Right. Yeah. Like, I, it's funny that you had mentioned like eating well and being yeah. healthy. Like Rick Owens always like, his like comment that he says yeah. is like, nothing will make you feel better than having like a fit body. He's like, yeah. spend less money on clothes and go to the gym instead. Yeah. Well, because also when you're super fit, you need less and you distraction. Look, yeah. And you look good. You could throw on a t-shirt and jeans and leave the house and look just as, you know, well-dressed as somebody who's really putting on like a whole moment. Yeah. Yeah. And also when you're really fit, it looks very strange when you have on like a lot of fashion. <laughs> That's true. Cuz it's like too much. You have like body and then like all these clothes. It's it's pretty nuts. 
Well, there's like well, some um, people are able to pull it off. Yeah, like Rick, you know, looks amazing in his stuff. Well, he's cut as hell. He's ripped. You know, he's yeah. got nice skin. You know, it's just it's just like a whole package. I wore a bunch of like I've gone through all these phases and where I'd go like way super deep into yeah. certain brands. And a lot of it, I real like some of it I looked okay and some of it I didn't. And so much of it had to do with like the type, my body type in general. Yeah, yeah. Like I have super square shoulders, like none of my tailoring fit right. And that's, that's something I think a lot of people like aren't able to like comprehend and understand when they're, when they wear some of their clothes is basically like, how is it going to fit you? And like, you don't look like how you think you look like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also a big thing for me is, um, and it's, it's funny, I've been saying this so much, like the last couple of things that people have asked me or interviewed me about. I'm super into this whole thing now that I'm, you know, of a certain age, I'm in my 30s. I'm very into the idea of being like a hot old man. Okay. So that means like, you know, from now until the end of my days, like working out, eating well, because I think that our generation has, you know, has like a huge awareness of how to take care of themselves and we should use that to the best of our ability we don't have to look like the previous generation you know you know you know slope spines and just terrible sk- like we could actually be the generation that like really figures out how to stay youthful for such for a longer time oh yeah it's a good point yeah i mean i've i've i guess yeah it'd be much better if i'm spending my money on going to the gym yeah. and fixing my bad posture yeah, than yeah, sitting yeah. on your couch smoking on. less cigarettes yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of that stuff yeah. all that stuff um okay we got just a little bit of time left but so i want to uh ask you so where do you think like this is pretty broad question Mm -hmm. so feel free to give it any type of broad answer you want yeah but where do you think a lot of things are are going right now in terms of the women's market because you had said you know women are are trying to take a little bit more control yeah a little bit like do you also do you work with women as well no i don't okay exclusively work in menswear okay yeah well then let's change I that. Res- I have so much. <laughs> I have so much respect for the women's wear stylists. I don't ever want to have to moonlight in that space. So you uh, you'll stay men's wear forever, then? Yeah, that that is the hope. You know, um, I mean, I do. I mean, I do admire so many of my friends that work in women's wear, and you know, every now and then I'll have an idea of something that I would want to do with women's talent. Right. Um, but I do love the idea of like a very like I do love the idea, and I do love when when I get the opportunity to do something like very masculine on female talent because oh, okay I think there's like a certain beauty to that. But like you know, I you know I respect so many of my my female stylist colleagues, and you know just like you know love admiring their work and like respect that space. Do you see yourself doing design ever? Um. Well, who's to say that I haven't done it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I, you know, I just, that's, that's another, that's another thing. Like, you know, I, I think there's a certain thing to be said about like, you know, just. I mean, Carla Welch, she was a stylist and mm-hmm. she does her, yeah. you know, her Hanes shirt. That's nice. Which, yeah. She's like a celebrity unto herself. So yeah. Yeah. She has that, a huge don't platform. Don't yourself short. You're pretty She has a huge there. platform. Um, I just, you know, whatever I'm working on or whatever I do, you know, sometimes it could be something that, you know, is like, you know has talking points and sometimes you do things that like you just like do keep it moving watch it become successful and, and just like get your check and keep it moving right yeah uh last thing so your house is on fire yes. you can only grab one oh, this is like a this is like a crazy like this conversation is nuts already like this this <laughs> subject i okay i'm so sorry your house is on fire oh my god <laughs> um but you can only grab one outfit but you have to grab an outfit i really want to grab I, I i have so much like art that i need to grab off the walls and okay. i could replace the clothes by selling the art Whoa, no i wouldn't sell the art um 
Wow. So, okay. well, here's the thing. I'll, okay. I'll make it easier. You want me to take? The, you want me to choose? You want me to choose an outfit? Yeah. All, all your, all your art safe. <sighs> all the art safe. Amazing. Um. Ooh, what am I grabbing? I'm definitely. All, all of the good stuff has got to go because I've, I've got to grab like what I could wear to work every day because that to me is just a certain amount of comfort. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm Touché. grabbing. A, I'm grabbing like these t-shirts. I wear like these t-shirts that I stole from my dad. I wear them every day. Like I saw like maybe like 20 t-shirts for him. So I wear like usually one of those t-shirts every day. Um, and a black denim jacket and black jeans. Okay. And probably a pair of Air Force Ones. Like that's just... Isn't it? Okay, that's, that's awesome that's that just, you said that. Yeah, that's just... I mean, because to you know that's what i could throw on every day and be right. comfortable i can go anywhere and be around anyone like i i would wear that that's just my uniform well that's that's the thing like the classics like that like they never die like yeah. will welch every time i see that dude yeah. black denim yeah. jeans black trucker jacket yeah see i'm i'm i like to have a little bit more fun okay um so i couldn't wear that every day but you were saying grab one thing no like, no it's it's so it's, it's like you know i'm grabbing that so that like i can keep my life moving <laughs> Because then you're gonna go. Then, gonna then go I'm gonna go nuts when I get the insurance money and get like <laughs> all my stuff back. Yeah. All right. For me, you know, clothes are <laughs> clothes are amazing. They're an amazing form of expression, but also at the same time, there has to be a certain level of, you know, there has to be a certain level of like just not being attached to material things, like, right? And and removing that importance from things. Like I enjoy clothes. I love them. They make me happy. Right. But it's not more important than you know, like your life, your body of work, your reputation, and just like your place and importance in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. That yeah. was really, really beautiful. Yeah. Matthew, thank you so much thank for you. talking. It was yeah. good. See ya. All right. You've been listening to Blamo. Special thanks to my guest, Matthew Henson, for coming on. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. This is our last episode for 2017, but don't worry, we got plenty more to dig into next year. If you're hearing this for the first time, take a stroll through the archive. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify now, too. While you're at it, leave a review. It helps let others know and discover the show. If you want to get in touch, just give me a shout-out on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or send me an email at jeremy at blamopod.com. See you soon. <laughs>